Howdy, folks. This is your problematic fave podcast host, Dino Ray Ramos. Thank you so much for listening. But before we get to the episode, I want to talk to you a little bit about something. So the problematic fave podcast is headed to South by Southwest. Well, actually, we're trying to get there. We are up for recording a live podcast episode in Austin at next year's South by Southwest Film and Music and Tech Festival, um, which takes place March 10th through 19th, 2023. And we need your votes. See, here, here's the team. Problematic Fave has been submitted to South by Southwest's Panel Picker, which is the Fest's official user-generated session proposal platform. So thousands upon thousands of people submit panel ideas, sessions, live podcast recording, and just cool events to take place throughout the, the, um, the duration of the festival. And people vote on these great ideas. And last year, Diaspora was panel picked to, to host a panel called Marginalized Voices in Film and TV Journalism. I had Jeff Yang from They Call Us Bruce on the podcast, uh, on, the, on the panel. We had uh, Kristen Lopez from IndieWire on the panel. We had Valerie Complex from Deadline on the panel, and it was a great turnout. It was a great conversation about all that diaspora rights about and marginalized voices and all that good stuff. So we want to take this to the next level. We want to do it again, but this time with a live recording of Diaspora's new pod, Problematic Fave. So please head to panelpicker.sxsw.com and search for Problematic Fave and cast your vote, please. Please. It will be very much appreciated. We will also put a a link to the uh, to the voting site in the show notes, and you can find more details about the panel via um, real uh, diaspora's <clears throat> excuse me <laughs> diaspora's Instagram and Twitter channels at uh, Real Diaspora, as well as my Twitter and Instagram channels at Dino Ray. So please, please, please vote, uh, and you have until August twenty first to vote, and please share. Um, and as always, I. I am so utterly grateful and and and, uh, and happy, and I am very much appreciative of the support and love the listeners give and supporters of Diaspora give. So please vote for Problematic Fave to go to South by Southwest. Thanks, y'all. Bill Foster is an ordinary man. Where are you going? Going home. Not this way or not. Why not? Metro rail construction, that's why not. Living in the everyday world. I don't suppose you'd have a couple of bucks you could give me. It would really help me out. If you give me your address, I'll mail it back on us. A patient man. Can I help you? Yes, I'd like a ham and cheese omelet and wham fries. I'm sorry. We stop serving breakfast at 11.30. Who's running out of patience? I guess a change for the phones. A peaceful man. No, it's serious. I have to buy something. Who's about to be pushed? 85 cent, 85 cent. That doesn't give me enough money for the phone call. Drink, 85 cent. You pay a gold. A little too far. I stay. You mean you stole your baseball bat, but he paid for the soda? Just standing up for my rights. As a consumer. Oh, this guy's discriminating. What kind of vigilante are you? I am just trying to get home to my little girl's birthday. Give us your briefcase. If everybody will stay out of my way. Here, you want a briefcase? Here's my briefcase! There's a briefcase! Wait, 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 Then nobody will get hurt. Warner Brothers presents. Say, would you get off my golf course? I am. 
the story of an everyday guy who refused to take it one more day. So we got a nutcase with a bag full of guns. He's in Hollywood right now, and he's heading west. I don't know if you've noticed or not, but there's other people waiting to use the phone here. Now, if you go up against this guy, be careful. I think it's out of order. Somebody in a white shirt and tie gunned down a phone with three blocks in the Whammy Burger. Michael Douglas. In America, we have the freedom of speech. Come on, I want to be a parking lot. I buy a ticket. The right to disagree. Robert Duvall. I know who this guy is. In a Joel Schumacher film. What are you doing to the street? We're fixing it. What the hell does it look like? See, I don't think anything's wrong with the street. I think you're just trying to justify your inflated budgets. Well, I guess so. But I'll give you something to fix. What are you... Hey, Charlie! <laughs> Falling down. Let's call it a day. Come on. I'm the bad guy? A tale of urban reality. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Problematic Fave Podcast. My name is Dina Ray Ramos. Today, before we get into this, <laughs> this movie that we that <laughs> our guests decided to watch. <laughs> um I want to introduce our lovely guest. She has written for Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Happy Ending, Superstore, and she is the co-creator of Peacock's Rutherford Falls, a lovely comedy situation. Not a sitcom. What do we call it? A sitcom? Do we call it sitcoms anymore? I would. Okay. I mean, yeah, it's yeah. a situational comedy. It's a half yeah. hour comedy, but I, I love the word sitcom. I, yeah. I'm a huge I think, TV person, so yeah. I'm not ashamed think, of making TV. I think because a lot of when people think sitcom, they think live studio audience. That's kind of where my mind goes. And like single right. camera is still a sitcom, but it's a different kind of sitcom, I think. But anyway, sure, yeah. yeah. So she is the creator, co-creator of Rutherford Falls on Peacock. Season two is streaming right now on the Peacocks. Yes. Sierra Teller Ornelas, welcome to the Problematic Day so Podcast. Me. Thank, Thank you, you for having me. Um, before I start, uh, yeah. my name is Sierra Teller Analis. I'm a member of the Navajo Nation. I'm Edgewater clan born for the Mexican people. No big deal. Um, thank you so much for having me here today. You know what? I love you. I love having you around. That, that sounded Same. rude. I love having no, you I love around. You too. <laughs> um, we we see yeah, each other we see each other in passing a lot but um and also you were i'm sure you recorded a while back you were on one of my friends podcasts recently and i listened to it thoroughly grace and amy's antidote podcast yes, antidote. i, I love loved hearing that story about the your, the weaving in your family about that the, yeah. The, yeah i want that movie i hope you're working on it <laughs> No, we we talk about all the time. It's just you know, it's like such a personal story. I'm like, I yeah. wanted to, I want to do it right. Do it right. Yeah, my mom yeah. is a master tapestry weaver, and I come from a long line of Native artists. And so, yeah, no, I love, I love that world for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so Sierra. <laughs> yes. How canceled as, as, am I getting with this story? <laughs> no, you know what? You're not gonna get canceled because we've had interesting <laughs> episodes on this. We we discussed the help, uh, and also we discussed um uh 16 candles in the last episode with claudia oh, yeah. and bridge from gordita chronicles unfortunately oh my gosh, yes 
but it was oh, so no. wild because two days later I dropped the episode or like a, a week later or whatever they canceled I was all yeah is it my fault <laughs> no, no I, I think oh we all God. understand it's- why yeah we all understand kind of we, I mean, we I don't understand again. why. Yeah. I'm so annoyed that that show got canceled. Because I feel like the, the adage for Latino showrunners, because I'm also Mexican-American, mm-hmm. is like, you know, you guys just haven't made a good show. And if you just made a good show that was popular, you know, you Gordita Chronicles was and then amazing. They, did. they fucking did. They made, I, I don't know if I can curse on this podcast. No, yeah, yeah, they, yeah, go ahead. They, curse. they did the thing that they all yell at us to do. Cinderella got to the ball and they're like, mm-hmm. mm, never mind. I'm like, it yeah. was a highly rated, highly like watched score. Critically acclaimed. Yeah. We always get in trouble for not showing up and we actually did this time. And then it's like, it didn't even matter. It just, it really makes me mad. And it, it's just sad because I, I remember talking to Claudia and Bridge uh, uh, on the podcast and they're like, oh, we're just waiting for a season two. And I was just like, oh, but you know what? Putting it out there, hoping it gets picked up somewhere else because 100%, I think 100%. it belongs. It's such a show that should but be. Then, but then like when I say uh, 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 I know why it got canceled, you know, it's this systemic stuff. And also shortly after they shelved Batgirl with Leslie Grace as yeah. the lead. And again, that's rough was, out here. It is. It is rough, y'all. You know, we, we're trying. We're trying. But yes. um, Sierra, I, I, we're trying, I wanna, we're trying, and it's we're, we're like, trying hard. And I think Sierra's, you're doing the thing. You're doing the thing. We're all trying to do our best. And I'm that's doing all the thing. We can I mean, do. I'm waiting. Yeah. Well, hopefully you don't jinx me. No. <laughs> hopefully you don't jinx me. You know, okay. I'm also waiting for a pickup. So if we don't get picked it, up, I am blaming you. Okay. If we, if you don't get picked up, I'm going to cancel <laughs> this podcast. Yeah. I want the biggest bouquet of flowers from you because I'm going to be like, you cursed me with your podcast. Oh my God. That's why I was nervous. But I just have a feeling rumblings were going on before the actual news was happening. If I could be 100%. I, I, there's a huge, for those who don't know, who are, you know, have actual lives and people who go outside and have families um, and have lives and have, plus, yeah yeah <laughs> right and have loved ones discovery plus bought warner brothers and it's like this huge um just huge merger kind of acquisition yeah. and they're and they're just cutting well because it's, it's a merger but it's really they're they're absorbing this company that yeah. felt too big to absorb and mm-hmm. so now they're just hacking through the budgets and there's all these shows like like chad was canceled the day it was supposed to premiere that like is the so whole television show cruise people who and muslim narrative yeah and all these dancers and then just nothing gone like whole networks are just being like like it is, TNT and tbs are all being put out to pasture it's really freaking weird and i think it's kind of like the wild west right now in terms of tv and hollywood and tv and film and i have like a lot of friends and filmmakers yeah. who they can they're like names quote unquote or they have overalls and all this yes. not overalls the clothing but overall <laughs> overall deals at networks and whatever yeah, and, overall yes yeah. <laughs> and they can't get anything pitched yeah oh they just they i mean pitch, it is the pitch, wild pitch. west in yeah. the yeah yeah no yeah, it yeah. is the wild west in the fact that a lot of black and brown people are being <laughs> wildly mistreated right now it is just like it's crazy. And, you know, speaking to that, let's talk about your movie of choice. Yeah, remember remember all my, remember all the championing I did at the beginning of this podcast before I explain my no, problem. No, but I was really kind of excited that you picked. Okay, so the movie Sierra picked is called Falling Down. 
uh, directed by Joel Schumacher, who directed, he's kind of an, he's late, great, he passed on. Um, He directed Lost Boys, which is one of my favorite films. He he gave uh, nipples on the Batman, the Batman costume, (laughs) St. Elmo's Fire. An LGBTQ plus filmmaker, so yes, that's voice. And he <laughs> so. he has he was very he's a very interesting filmmaker. Um, and um, written by I, I don't know how to pronounce their name his name Ebby I, I think Ebby Rowe Smith. I'm gonna guess he Eb. Did like two he only had two credits. Yeah, yeah. it's Ebby. And he was also an actor, which we will get into later. So this movie was released in, in, in 19, uh, February 26, 1993 by Warner Brothers, speaking of Warner Media. <laughs> um, and uh, <laughs> it stars yeah, I guess Michael- my chances of rebooting this are going down. I <laughs> and if, these, if they rebooted it, they could follow the same exact script. And it would be, I, I don't think, because this movie- well, I, I honestly- want to do it. I want to do it with like a Latina woman, like a fruit vendor who like is sick of getting all kinds of like, um, cause all these things with like fruit vendors right now in LA where they're getting constantly getting fined and it doesn't matter where they go or what, like whatever. And just like a woman on the verge is like how I would redo this movie <laughs> where like you she know, goes to like mixed dough and tries to buy a burrito and they don't accept cash. And it's that... a disgusting manila envelope burrito. <laughs> and it's like some white owned, you know, like food truck and like, and she just like has had enough and she goes crazy like that's the version i would do in this movie anyway we should talk about it so yeah 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 oh no 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 worries okay. so like the synopsis is uh i got this i think i got this from like rotten tomatoes or something uh a middle-aged man dealing with both unemployment and divorced name well his name is william foster played by michael douglas he's having a bad is having a bad day and then his car breaks down and uh, on the la highway he leaves the vehicle and then he makes kind of this journey across the city to attend his daughter's birthday party and along the way, he, he meets people, but he's a very frustrated <laughs> guy. He's bitter. Very frustrated guy. And he just, guy. he just hates the world. He's aggrieved. Grieved, yeah. And he, he feels like yes. the world is against him. And, and it results in violent encounters with various people, including a vengeful gang. This is what it says, vengeful gang and a dutiful veteran cop played by Robert Duvall. The movie also stars Barbara Hershey. This was like Barbara Hershey's heyday. This was like Beaches tea. This is like Beaches era, I'm guessing, yes. right? Yes, um, yes. Yeah, and mm-hmm. she played Michael Douglas's wife, um, who we will also talk about because she just is running around and she's like, she's like, oh, I can't help myself. Like, I need cops. I mean, you know. <laughs> I know. Um, but before yeah, we- It's weird. Yeah. It's like, it's a, yeah, okay. But yeah, before we get into it, what is your, no, no, no. What is your personal, like, what is your connection to the movie? Like, why did you choose this? How, when was the first time you heard about this? Or like, when do you remember, what was your memory of this movie? Okay, so I was, I had to have been, in 93, I was 12. So I had Mm. to have been 12 when I saw the movie. I'm pretty sure we saw it in the theater. Mm. Because like, the trailer is like that classic, like, Die Hardy trailer, like, Bill blah 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 is having a bad day and then it's the same <laughs> with guns and it's nothing mm. but catchphrases and stuff and I remember seeing it with my parents it's way too violent of a movie to see with your parents <laughs> but I I remember my dad being kind of like yeah like <laughs> and he's like the most Alan Alda-ish guy ever like he's so sensitive and sweet but I think he just like was like 
the idea of mundane things driving you crazy he just was drawn to i think the story if memory serves i don't really remember to be honest with you no yeah the movie and the marketing for the movie being very much like this michael douglas character of like this guy's had enough Mm. and then when we watch the movie half the movie is about robert duvall who's actually kind of like a um representation of like positive masculinity like he doesn't curse he's not aggressive he listens to the brown characters his partner is this brown woman who is played by rachel uh, uh, yeah and she was she, like in a bunch of 80s movies yeah uh, she, movies. she yeah. and i loved her like she was in total recall yeah and she had this sort of like tough kind of bronx vibe about her where like she would go toe-to-toe with the men and the men always respected her like i remember she was in she was in Con Air. She always played like a cop. She always yeah. played like the partner of the white cop. And I just remember like loving her. And so- Me too. Yeah, I love her. I was yeah. like oddly drawn to the Robert Duvall, Rachel dynamic. Yeah. And then and then there was just a lot of weird side stories. And I was little and I didn't understand like Robert Duvall's wife has kind of gone crazy. And she's like, yeah. kind of, like emotionally, kind of like, like a weird 1950s housewife that kind of lost it. And I remember just thinking, like, there were all these moments where, like, the movie veers left for no reason. And I just really was, like, fascinated by it. And then, um, and so I just really liked the movie. And I was confused Mm. because I was like, is Michael Douglas a bad guy or a good guy? Because he's, like, painted throughout the movie as, like, just bad enough that the cops have to catch him. But then also, like, he has these redeeming moments. And it's, it's very confusing, at least when I was a kid. Yeah, but it, it, I think, it was just fun to watch. I kind of am right in line with you because I was around that same age and I watched it with my parents. And I think we probably got it from like Blockbuster Video or something like that uh, because yes. it like recently came out or whatever. And I remember seeing Michael Douglas. Was this before or after? I think this is after Fatal Attraction. And I'm guessing because like kind of. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he, and was, he was known for like comedy and thrillers because yes. he did like War Romancing the, the Stone, yes, and, like, oh yeah, Romancing Stone. So I was like, oh, I know this guy, and it was just like, and he's kind it was of so out of character, of here, but yeah. Not. Mm-hmm. yeah. And I remember, and then while watching it again, I remember seeing it like as your dad saw it as well. Like my dad is a military man, immigrant, whatever, but. Uh, <laughs> Like, we're kind of, like, conditioned to be all, yeah, you know, he's had enough. He's representing us. And I, that's what I remember it as. And But then right. watching it, I was all, wait a, <laughs> I was all, wait a second. They're framing this racist guy as a hero. Not even an anti-hero. Right. We're, like, the, the, how like the movie is hero. framed. Yeah, how the movie is framed, we are kind of supposed to root for him and be like, oh, yes. He's our hero. And I'm like, oh, this is kind of fucked up. It's super yeah. fucked up, but it's also like, it's so fucking weird. Cause when I watched, I, I was like, am I doing this movie? Cause I was talking <laughs> with my husband and his friend and he was, we were, I was telling them about my idea to redo falling down from like my perspective. Like, yo, my God, they like loved it. And then when we were trying to think of problematic faves and my friend Chris was like, well, you have to do falling down. And I was like, no, oh, yeah, definitely. And so I, I picked the movie and then and then um and then i watched the trailer and i was like oh god am i gonna get so canceled for this no then, you will not get canceled saw, but i will say this I, w- I, w- I started watching it today and and i was like well i'm sure the scene in the trailer where he loses it on the korean grocery store owner is like 
deep into act one. Not and it was the second <laughs> scene in the movie. You go now. No trouble. <laughs> I stay. What do you think of that? Cop, where you go? charging 85 cents for a stinking soda! You're the thief! Just standing up for my rights as a consumer. I'm rolling back prices to 1965. What do you think of that? Donuts. Package of six, how much? Dollar twelve. Oh. Too much. Aspirin. Price? 340. Oh, please. Double A batteries, package of four. Four four twenty-nine. Nice try. I think this whole whole shelf looks suspect. And I was like, oh my God, like it was like shocking to me how like, but then I will say as the movie progresses, he does end up going after like a full Nazi and yeah. he ends up going after um, um, like rich golf players or whatever. Yeah. It's like this weird libertarian dream where it's like, I'm not like those bad racists. I'm, I'm, I'm a good and, racist. <laughs> and when he, and he like kind of locks eyes with a black character who's like protesting and it's like this idea of like, well, I'm not racist because I'm, I'm good to black people. Screw Koreans and Latinos. Yes. <laughs> but I'm, I'm, a, I'm a good guy. But it, it, but it is like in the culture we're living in now, it's so weird to watch someone who's like, I'm a good guy. And like, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. But what I thought was fascinating about it was like, but the Robert Duvall character is a good guy. Like they do have yeah. this sort of prescription of like how to be. Mm-hmm. That whole balance. Yeah, the balance. The balance was very interesting because I love how Robert Duvall um, kind of played it cool and he was chill, but also there was that kind of this like tinge of ageism in there about how like all putting him out to pasture like oh you're retiring and and you're not you're not even a cop anymore. You're worthless. You're old. And I kind of like that. And I was like, oh, what if like this whole movie kind of centered on him and, and then like Michael Douglas was like kind of the secondary like we see kind of Robert Duvall's career unravel as he chases this guy rather than you know whatever but with with totally, right totally. off the bat right off the bat with this guy like he in IMDb he's referred to as his license plate defense you know whatever mm-hmm. uh but his name is like Michael Foster or something like that um but he was already giving me I, I don't know if this is wrong to say like like mass shooter energy like from the jump, yeah. It's like, 
Joel Schumacher, what I liked about the beginning is they created this world. I love when the world is created and we're like, okay, we're set. We're here. I'm ready to live. And right. I think it's one of the only movies that I'm like, oh, this feels like LA. Like it felt like LA now yes. in this interesting way. Yeah. So well, when um, I was a kid because I grew up in Tucson, this yeah. is what I thought LA was. I will yes. say it's a little bit of a, it's a weird kind of um, cartoon version of LA though, where it's like, you could get murdered at any moment yeah like like everyone's a gang leader and it, it's also like calm down a little bit but like I do know like in the 90s there were certain neighborhoods that were way rougher like I've, mm. I've worked with people who are from here and they're like oh the neighborhood you currently live in like I would never go to as a child or something like mm. so it is like LA in the 90s but it, it was also like a cartoony version of yeah heightened almost like, like everyone's a- so like everyone's so sweaty and like everything's yes, so like, orange. <laughs> like the lens, the, it, you could feel the heat, which I appreciated. I was like, oh, it's like, this is like LA traffic. I get this aggravation. I get it. But uh, right. I, I was just like- his car yeah. doesn't break down. He just- He just, he just stops. He just walks out. And he just gets up and leaves. He's like, I'm done. I, he snaps. Yeah. And then he that was like this moment of his Wizard of Oz journey kind of thing through LA. Yes. And then, like, the first stop, like you said, is this Asian guy in the convenience store. And here's the thing. So Michael Paul Chan, who plays the guy in the convenience store, he's Chinese. Great character actor. He's not Korean. He's Chinese. He's not Korean. (laughs) Yeah, and he's great. He was, like, in Joy (laughs) Luck Club. He's been in so many. He's kind of, like, this, like... He's been in a lot of comedies and... and, Yeah. yeah, And, And of this era, and... I just think like he's probably one of these trailblazers in the Asian community who kind of don't get looked at because he was out there before doing, he was doing his thing before anyone else. Also Steve Park, who is also in this movie. But um, later on, I think it's so funny. Uh, we see them in the the officer, uh, the officer room, the police station. I call it the officer room, the police station with Steve Park. I know, I was trying to think of the word, yeah. <laughs> with Steve Park who is actually Korean, and during the scene, Park says he can't translate Chan's character, uh, uh, um, Paul uh, Chan's character, because he's Korean. So it was weird, kind of like all, it, it, how the guy, it, this, how that representation of Asian is like totally messed up. But anyways, um, so mass shooter energy, <laughs> he, he, he ruins this convenience store of this Korean guy, because he's like, oh, how much is this? And then he just He's the, the guy tells him the price and then he takes a baseball bat and just ruins everything because he's fed up, right? About inflation and all that. Inflation and the markup yeah. of the prices. Yeah. yeah. It's it's like it it's not like I'm watching it. I was playing because my husband's like, how is it? And I was like, it's a 90-minute Karen video. Yes! <laughs> like it's like it is! right. It yes. is. He literally asked to talk to the manager at <laughs> and when he goes to the fast food restaurant. And I was like, but I'm obsessed with Karen videos, like on TikTok. I will no, I follow that wrong. And I can't, and, and I find them fascinating. And the ones where like people are like getting in people's business, I'm like, fuck those people, fuck them forever. Whenever mm. someone's melting down at a counter, I'm always like, I wonder what happened. I'm not saying like they're they're fine, but I've almost melted down at like self-checkout and those things. And I think just like <laughs> watching them from a psychological point of view, I'm like, usually 99.9% of them are just racist. And I'm like, get out of my face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, but to watch people just like lose it at a fucking, you know, Chinese like or something. Or I'm Ulta. like, what happened? It happens Ulta. a lot at people Ulta. People <laughs> down at Ulta's. What is wrong with Ulta? Like, no, oh 100%. 
I've seen Ulta's and even Sephora. Like beauty product places seem to be in a popular place. Beauty product places, people melt down. <laughs> and also I've seen um, like Victoria's Secret. I saw one, which was wild. Like it, it was just woman who was yeah. just like melt. It is fascinating. It's sad. It's fascinating. But you're so right about this because it was like I was talking to my friend, like my friend Jen, who, who works at LA Times, and we were talking about the podcast and and I was like, oh, yeah, uh, Sierra picked Falling Down. And it's going to be fun because this movie's wild. And my, fr- my friend was like, yeah, that movie is basically what happens, like what a white man who having a bad day can get away with. And I was just 100%. like, <laughs> yes. And you find like, it, it, that's what I found so fascinating about the movie was like for the 90s, not like I will not call it progressive, but like how accurate to the situation it actually was like Mm. most like active shooters have a history of domestic violence and like halfway through the movie the first 30 minutes of the movie he's like I'm just trying to get home to my wife and there is a world if you are like a dude like that dude you're like yeah I've been there where like your car the AC breaks you're losing it in LA traffic there's nothing worse you're just trying to get home these people are aggrieving you minus the grocery store worker (laughs) and and then it's like but then he calls his wife and he's like hey I'm, I'm trying to get home to you and she's like you know, legally you cannot. And that's when you're like, bum, bum. Yes. Oh, this dude has a restraining order. He's like dangerous to a, to a spouse. And, and statistically that is how this goes. And so like, I found that fascinating. Also, he starts from like, I guess downtown, right? He, yeah, where is he? Yeah, what is his route? What is his route? He's going, <laughs> cause he, the, I know the surplus stores in Sunset Junction because okay, that's okay, the location okay. I went to before and then i think i i'm assuming like downtown is where and like koreatown maybe is where the so did he go like he, he took an interesting route walking. yeah it's yeah. a weird route but basically he starts east side at well east side in quotes and then makes his east way side. west to venice yeah. is what he's trying to get right but it oh so he's going he from the east starts... to the west side walking basically yeah right okay so he's going from the brown to the west He's going from the brown to the white, and then he doesn't really. People don't really start looking for him until he starts shooting up white areas. It's like, oh my god, restaurant. It's the golf course. That's when they start closing in on him. So, and the only way he gets out of it is by like a Nazi helping him out. So, I'm not saying it's like it's like brilliant. No, no, no. Commentary, but it is like actually how this shit happens. And I wonder if that was mindful because like you telling me that right now is like how people didn't pay attention to him until he got to the affluent neighborhood or the more gentrified neighborhood. Right. Is very telling because when he meets the two Latino gangsters, which is like super stand and deliver, which is great. But oh, my God. (laughs) It's also so funny. Like there's a point where there's like five gang members and and a lady in a car all latino and they're also oh, yes. from different areas of the country it's like she's from the bronx he's from like southeast LA. like it's crazy like seven different accents going on in that car it's him it's him man how's adele doing just fine without you. Nancy, get out of the car. No, hey, come on, man. It's fucking broad daylight, man. Get out of the car. This shit ain't worth it, man. No. Get the fuck out of the car now! Get out of the car! Give me one, give me one. And you? Don't. I'll call the police. 
police if I have to. Come on, go, go, go! I'm coming home, Beth. No. No coming home. No. Because she was like giving Rosie Perez energy. She and was then full Rosie Perez. <laughs> I looked, she's one of my favorites. She is, there's all these like, character actors I grew up with seeing, and she, what is her name? Karina Aroyave, but she had played like a high school student for 25 years. Uh-huh. She was like on fame, I think. And then she was oh, also word. on Minds. She okay, was, Dangerous like, Minds, it makes sense. She's done, she's played like a high school student for 25 years. I'm obsessed with her. But, you should um, get her for the lead for your remake. <laughs> totally. She should play. <laughs> but no, but she, um, but like that was the other part where like the cops try to get her to say it was a gang member because they don't believe it was a white person. Yes. And Robert Duvall is like the only one who believes her because he's like the good guy. He's yeah. The good one. It's also weird anyway. This, this movie, I mean, I think the movie is, the bones are fine, right? Like, well, for the most part. <laughs> You know, you're talking just, about it like an old house yeah. good bones <laughs> good, good bones, bones. Good, great dresses beautiful gowns but some real <laughs> dated racist backsplashes and because uh, it's like, choices i was highly triggered of course because of you know the asian hate asian violence i mean i know this is a long time ago but when he was beating up or like threatening this guy i was like this is wrong it's like and then watching the movie it is just wild how this movie is relevant toward like nothing has changed period like maybe here and there there have been a little bit like i just think more has been gentrified in la right now so i don't think the problem is that the problem quote unquote is that bad because you know i walk around anywhere in la well also i'm a male and i recognize that but i know for women it's a bit more different but walking around here is or like my neighborhoods i feel safe for the most part right but yeah, this one just made it feel like, oh my God, uh, uh, LA is a war zone and you will not survive. <laughs> but also I found out that they were filming right after or during the LA riots, like right. in 1992. So I feel that tension. Did you feel that tension of the riots? Oh, in there? Yeah. I looked up because I looked up because the Rodney King incident, the, the, the police brutality beating happened in early 92 or late mm-hmm. 91 i looked it up i can't remember right now yeah i think and it's then 92, the tri- yeah. and then the trial happened i would imagine while they were filming was in 92 yeah. so like at least the the actual police brutality of it all had happened well well before this film was being made or while it was being made and mm-hmm. then but you could definitely feel that tension for sure mm-hmm. and i think that's like it felt like there were like nods to it but they weren't totally talking about it because I think I, yeah. like, but there were a lot of movies in L that were set in LA during this time where like, I don't know if you remember the movie Grand Canyon. I remember like the yeah, yeah, Hasden yeah. movie, mm-hmm. but like there was a lot of movies where it started with like Kevin Klein getting carjacked and it was like this yes. idea of like, there was a lot of carjacking movies, a lot of carjacking <laughs> movies and like, kind of like, Oh no, like you can't go to these areas and stuff. And, and it did being from like Tucson, Arizona, I was like, oh, LA is like a horror movie. You know, like didn't know. No, because it, it made it seem that way. This framed LA like, oh, this is a horrible place. There are gang members everywhere and they're black and brown and they will kill you. There's a there's a variety pack of gang members in a car traveling. A variety? <laughs> traveling around LA looking for you. And also, traveling around LA, 
will come upon you as you're sitting by yourself in an abandoned field. They will circle you. Like they will cir- they're looking for you. They're looking for you in per- No. So it's like, it's so interesting because, okay, I know I shouldn't be joking about this, but during the scene of the drive-by, again, another drive-by, like the 90s drive-bys were a big thing, right? So many. Everyone... Everything so drive-by. that car full, the variety pack of gangsters, a brown and black gangsters, right. drove by, shot up everyone, and they managed to miss Michael Douglas. Like they shot everyone 100%. around him. <laughs> yes. Some lady got shot in the leg, like she was in a nice dress, and then she, <laughs> she was like, my leg. <laughs> but I was like, oh, and then they they were shooting up, and then they got back in the car. They're all, "Did you get him?" And I was all, "No, bitch, you did not. You shot everyone. You did not get him. <laughs> the guy in the white t the white bright white shirt. You did not get. Yes. It's so bananas. And I was, but it was it, that. There's a lot of problems, of course, with this movie in terms of representation. But I kind of feel like some of it is kind of like accurate but it's not accurate to the point where it's like oh that's exactly what happened but it's like you said it's heightened it's like fantastical right oh it's, it's cartoonish yeah. i will say yes it's so car- well that's weird too because i feel like the robert duvall scenes are mostly he plays them very straight like he does not heighten it, yeah. them whereas yeah. like michael douglas is like he's also a parody of a white person so it's like everyone's a parody in those scenes it's not mm. just like it's not yeah, like he's I, playing it as a straight man and the the people of color have to be these big cartoons it's like everyone's a cartoon in those scenes so it's very hard to gauge like who am i focused on what am i looking at and then yeah. like like there was a scene where the the car full of variety pack gangsters crashes <laughs> into like a pole yes yeah, yeah they're yeah. like bleeding out and and really the whole function of the scene is just to get this giant bag of guns to Michael Douglas so he can keep his walkabout or whatever. Yeah, walkabout? <laughs> LA walkabout? <laughs> his domestic violence walkabout. But he, God forbid, but he <laughs> he was like, he has this like Uzi and he points it at the, the gang member and he's like, you missed. And yes. when he points the gun at him, I, I did get like ill. I was like, this would not have affected me as a 12 year old weird thing. Mm-hmm. But as a woman in her 40s, like I'm, I feel ill watching this. But then he shoots him in the leg. And yes. he, was like, he was like, that's how you shoot someone. And then takes the guns in the bag and leaves. So it like ends on this like waka waka catchphrase. <laughs> yes. And then also he like, the, the the screenwriter did a very good job of being like, he's almost the worst, but not. Like it was like, <laughs> No, that's, I will. It's weird. Yeah. I will not it's, give it's a nod because you're that. like it's so yeah but it's it's I don't think they should get any credit for it it's just like mm. it's so perfectly curated to be like you can still like this guy until mm. the very last like moment which also, is too when he gets crazier and crazier he starts killing like rich white people which I'm sure people are like less mad about <laughs> <laughs> the golf course <laughs> scene was like weird like I think you're right oh, I what it. you were saying <laughs> Tonally, because like at the moment, I love Robert. Du- I think Duval- Robert Duvall's great. Boo Radley to Kill a Mockingbird, shout out. I mean, uh, but I was like, at one point, I was all, much. I was like, all, why are Robert Duvall's scenes? I said, kind of boring, but I was all, they're boring because he is normal. <laughs> and he yeah. kind of, <laughs> and I, I, I don't think their worlds necessarily connected in the way I wanted to, like, because we would go from the heightened. To kind of the grounded like back and forth back and forth but i was just like why am i so bored and i was like oh i get it it's because there's duvall's interesting but 
if it bleeds it leads that kind of thing it's like oh we want to see this psycho do his thing because like we kind of yeah i yeah i have a crush on robert duvall so (laughs) maybe i brought more into those scenes just in my own no but you're so right having he's having dinner with the like latina (laughs) cop i'm like this is my fantasy but no but i think to me he's like an interesting juxtaposition where it's like like michael douglas has this ex-wife who's just trying to stay safe and be a good mom and like he snaps over nothing whereas Robert Duvall literally has like a mentally ill wife who's forcing him to retire before he wants to he's lost a child he like he and his wife are still grieving and like have not gotten over the loss of their like two-year-old child who dies um and it's like it's like he doesn't snap he doesn't He's like the most aggrieved in terms of the white characters. Yes. And it's like most he, of the reason to more, stand, most of the burden. That. Yeah. Yeah. But it's all, it's very internal. It's not like they even explain it to you, but it's like he's surrounded and he's also surrounded by all this hyper masculinity. Like he has to go and talk to his like superior officer and the guy's like boxing in yes! his office. <laughs> it's so sweaty. And then puts on an office shirt, it puts on like a dress shirt over his sweaty body. And I'm like, who is this for? It's so close. I was like, okay, so I take boxing classes and I was like, oh, watching this. I was like, well, first off, who's going to have it? Well, you know, I guess there are some white dudes that have a punching bag in their I office. I don't know. <laughs> Not in their office. He was just like, like yeah, in a police precinct. There's probably a gym there. Wait, like, was he like wearing slacks? Like Zara slacks or something? slacks <laughs> and an undershirt. Full boxing. Like a full sweat. He's done like a 90-minute yeah. sesh. He, he's, and, and then... And then he's like, oh, hey. And then he puts his shirt And he puts on a dress shirt. And he's like, um, thank you for coming into my office and talking yeah. to you. I'm like, what are we doing? It, this is like, the whole movie's insane. But he's like a hyper-masculine dude. And he tells basically Robert Duvall, like, I've never liked you. I think you're a pussy. You don't curse. Yes. Like, you, you're too afraid to go be a cop after, you know, you killed someone. And, like, I think you're the worst. And then later on, like, it, it's just so... And then there was, like, another one where, like, all the male cops especially are very dismissive of him. And, like his the um rachel's new partner is this sort of like him yeah. though sexually harassing just constantly he's like she's just of that eyes. time he's just not, like he's a walking so microaggression yeah. like yeah. he's just the fucking worst and and you're just like yeah robert duvall is like none of those things and it's kind of like it is boring but at the same time i'm like it's nice to just have this sort of reprieve from all this masculinity is like this yeah. one island and of I- just yeah. I think like if it was focused on Robert Duvall's, it would be a very different movie. I think it would give me like indie energy, like very like yes. watch this man kind of find his, not like masculinity, but kind of find himself after like people, you know, and that's kind of like, and I think that I, I, I think Duvall also is just a great actor, period, right? He's such a great actor. Yeah. yeah. And I, I just think, I do like how it's kind of like defense or Michael Douglas's character was doing what almost Prendergrass wanted to do or, you know, kind of like what he was capable of, but he decides not to do it. So it's like, they're two sides of the same coin in this interesting way, but obviously Michael Douglas is worse. (laughs) But, uh, But I do want to talk about Barbara Hershey. I think Barbara Hershey, you know, of course, love beaches, you know, we love the beaches. <laughs> I love the beaches. No notes on that movie. No, no <laughs> notes. I kind of, I just felt like Barbara Hershey's character had nothing to do, like except run, right? Well, also she didn't run. I, <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. She like it's run. so weird because it's a little her, it's her daughter's birthday party. She's inviting people the day of, which I'm like, make a plan. 
And then she's like, I don't really want to do anything big. And I'm like, you're not. You're literally inviting <laughs> yeah. people the day of. And day you're of, and you're making this really sad cake. This The cake looks sad. the saddest <laughs> cake out of this tiny oven. This poor little girl. I'm like, her dad's a psycho and you can't have a real birthday party for yeah. her? Yeah. Get a moon but bounce. Get a moon get bounce. Something. <laughs> this was, but it also reminded me of the 80s when like, parents and do shit for people's birthdays they're just like you're lucky to have a cake you're lucky <laughs> like, like it was i was like oh it would always be like a sad cake like a duncan hines would a just sad like sad cake and like some yeah. balloons and your cousins and i'm like i miss those days i was like can we go back now it's like as i have a son and it's like a huge production it's oh like, yeah because like my nephews when my sister used to have to like do now they're like teenagers and stuff now but when i would help with those birthdays gift bags there have to be a theme you know there has to be like instagram wedding. yeah it's like oh come on it's like, this there's is like instagram like picture moments throughout mm. the party and like it's uh, yeah yeah i um, do miss those days when we would just hand out invitations in our classrooms and it would be like a birthday party from 4 to 8 p.m on on saturday <laughs> right <laughs> and yeah. that was it that was it that was it, that? That was it. Not a huge production. Cake and Anyhow. then maybe some some whatever, but yeah, but something if you're lucky. Um, yeah, but yeah, Barbara, Barbara Hershey. Hershey I will, yeah, I will. Yes, she had nothing to do, and then also he's constantly calling her and yes! being like, "I'm coming home." I would like leave. Don't you have like a friend whose house you can go to? You're just no, staying it, home, <laughs> the one place you know he's coming to. So she keeps calling the cops. The cops keep coming over, and I thought that was really telling because I couldn't tell who's. I couldn't tell who the storyteller was in this scene, but basically the cop comes because she's afraid. Michael Douglas has called her, said, I'm coming home. She's like, you're not legally allowed to. She calls the cops, the cops show up and they're questioning her about whether or not, um, about the husband. And they're like, is he prone to violence? And she's like, yes, I, I believe he is. And they're like, does he do drugs? Does he drink? And she's like, no. And then they were like, does, did he abuse you or your daughter? And she's like, well, no. And they give her this look like, well, you're an idiot. Like, <laughs> Like, why are you complaining? You've got a good man that you like got rid of, basically. And like, I feel like I'm watching it as a viewer, and I'm like, oh, Barbara Hershey's clearly right because little do we know the whole time Michael Douglas is like shooting people and beating yeah, yeah. people up with baseball bats. But I'm like, the way that scene was written, I was like, in 1993, were we supposed to side with Barbara Hershey? Or I think we were supposed to side with Barbara Hershey. But that's what's so weird about this movie is like, you're like, I don't know whose side the the movie is telling me to be on. Yes. It's and like, so it's like it's very journey, hard yeah. to yeah but i love that like that was a big thing like stalker laws and all that stuff were just starting in the 90s because yes. a lot of that stuff was not seen as legal until people um actually were violent to their partners and like a lot of that legislation happened during that time so i was oh. like this is an interesting thing to talk about right now because i don't know if you remember there's all those like tv movies about stalking and about oh like, yes i know like, like abusive Beautiful husband. Come on, burning bed. bed. <laughs> burning bed. <laughs> I think we had the same parents because my mom was obsessed with those movies. Because that burning like, bed yeah. scared the shit out of me, honestly. Shit out of me. It scared me. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh my Sarah God, Fawcett's doing her thing. Sarah Fawcett played this one. It's a true crime story that was based on a real story where she played this woman who was in love with a she had two kids. She was in love with this guy. He said he didn't want to have kids. And so she tried to murder her, her children so that she could be with this guy. And one of the kids, they, the, one of the oh kids God. survives and one is like incredibly um, disabled because of the, the attempted but, murder. And, and I cannot remember what it's called. Was it made for TV? It probably was made for TV. It was TV, made for yeah. TV. 
and I'm she looking it up. cranked the, the song Hungry Like the Wolf ah! while she was murdering. That was like the big thing. And then during the court case, the prosecutor plays the song and she starts like bopping her fingers and kind of dancing. And the like defense attorney has to stop her. Like, you look like a murderer. Like, please don't do that. Why is this? Yeah, okay, I need I need to find this. Okay, you don't, it's you don't know so what it's good. called? I mean, I it's so campy and good. I do not remember what it's called. But okay, <laughs> we went from Barbara Hershey to Farrah Fawcett, but that's fine. Uh, but I just... But I will say this. I feel yeah. like in most movies, that role would have been played by nobody. And I think mm-hmm. that, like, because she had nothing to do I was glad it was Barbara Hershey because, because she made like, the well, most I don't of want it. Barbara yeah. Hershey to get murdered. Like, mm. like I think if it had been like Michael Douglas and some unknown actress, you wouldn't, we wouldn't care. care. Yeah, we wouldn't care. Enough. But because it's yeah. like Barbara Hershey, you're like, he better not freaking hurt Barbara Hershey. Yeah, and then because she was big at the time, also it's like, it, 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 like the how the interactions with the police coming over, um, it like nothing has changed because I, excuse me, I recently watched another movie where cops uh small sacrifices <laughs> uh, it was called small sacrifices that's a fair Fawcett movie everyone <laughs> we will we I will i feel bad for the one person listening to this podcast who for 20 minutes has been like, like small sacrifices. There, there's a small sacrifice they're yelling at the radio or their their pod- i said radio their transistor <laughs> their radio <laughs> um but uh uh no i think no, the, in terms of the treatment of, because like cops will come, like came and they're like, oh, well, you're not in any danger, so we can't help you. That kind of thing, you right. know, where it's like very like by the book, even though it's clear she's in danger, they refuse to help her because it's not in the book. And that happened in a recent movie that I watched that can't really talk about, but because it kind of spoils the movie, but how this this woman in the movie, she's a black woman and she asked for the cops help because a killer is on the loose and they don't believe her. And it's just like, right. it's like, oh, this is just very telling uh, uh, of cops and like that, which we could go into, but it, it, I just am surprised in how relevant this movie is now, despite the heightened campiness or, or in unintentional yes. campiness of it all. It is so like, this is, this is today, basically nothing has changed since 1993. Yeah. Also, like, white aggrievement, like, I guess with every generation, like, mm. there's enough progressive change that folks feel aggrieved. And it's, like, it's fascinating. Yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird one where you're, like, how are we still having these same conversations and, like, going through the same stuff? I think, like, what I do think is interesting about, I don't know, like, in the ending he gets that monologue where he's just like, I'm economically not viable. Like, did you find out that he was an engineer who built weapons that Mm -hmm. helped during the cold war, but then like, you know, the Eastern Bloc fell and there is no more cold war. And so there are all these people who were out of jobs and who had like jobs throughout the eighties. And it was like the end of Reaganomics and the beginning of this like Bush recession and blah, blah, blah. And like, but then you also have Robert Duvall being like, yeah, man, everyone gets lied to. <laughs> like, you're not the only one. And that was so cool to see that because, like, you you get, like, an argument from Michael Douglas of, like, how he feels. But then you also get this rebuttal from, from Robert Duvall being like, everyone gets lied to. Like, everyone gets screwed over. Like, yeah. you think you're special, but, like, but you're not. Yeah. Everyone. But you're not yeah, special. I, yeah. And I, think, and I, I yeah. love it. And that's kind of like when, when I was watching it, I was like, I'm kind of glad Sierra chose this one. I mean, granted, it's like, you know, <laughs> you're not, you won't get canceled. <laughs> Don't worry. Because I think we're, the whole point of the podcast <laughs> is loving to, this movie. For, for like unpacking it because we love this movie because of, you know, 
what it represents or like kind of what it represented then and how it's connected to now and how I kind of not making those same mistakes, which is like a whole other conversation because we're still making the same mistakes. And it's just totally. interesting because like re-watching this movie and I was like, oh God, this is just, it kind of made me sad, <laughs> but also I'm like, oh, you know what? I'm glad she chose this. And also I want to talk about really briefly the, the, the surplus store, the military surplus store. And I, yes. I, is that the, I'm wondering where that, is that the one on like Vine that's, and Santa Monica? Cause I know there's no, one there. Okay. That's the one that's on um, Silver Lake. What I'm sorry. Oh, Silver, oh, you said Junction. Junction it's Junction. Closed, it closed during the pandemic, but it's right by like Tropical. And, oh, like, okay. Tropical. I know what you're talking about. I know exactly yes, yes, yes. what you're talking about. So when that, it's like, oh, let's just make him the, the, the owner of the store. Really racist. Nazi. And then like, this is the part where I was kind of, <laughs> I was kind of laughing at the two gay guys. <laughs> he was just like super sweaty in a tank. Everyone's so sweaty. <laughs> yes. And they were the only ones in the store. The only two, like, if I'm not mistaken, I, I remember in the yeah. scene, they were the only, the two gay guys were the only two. And then he was like, oh, you faggots, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh God, low hanging fruit, but it's of the time, whatever. But I was just, I'm not gonna lie. I kind of giggled at the representation of the gay people because they're like, "Oh, this is how the gay people are. They shop. They're really sweaty. They wear tank tops and they shop at surplus <laughs> stores, military surplus stores." And I was all, "Ew, that's gross." But that guy in that movie, or in the the, the owner or the whatever, whoever worked there, was just like, "Ew." And then it became a thing of like racist versus racist, and who's like, you know, I was just like, "Oh God," you know these two people including michael douglas they're like they're insurrectionists they are very <laughs> they're very like of january 6th energy and but Ooh. then like then deep or uh, michael douglas's character kills the racist and then it's like i feel like the movie was trying to tell us look he's like you said he's not that bad he killed a racist and <laughs> but, like, i totally agree with you i think I, that was definitely the intention of that scene I think what made me sad watching it is that like there's there's less of that line being delineated now. Mm-hmm. Like there are actual just like white supremacists in government and like yes. also let you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like like there are people who are no longer trying to make those distinctions in power mm-hmm. and like that actually kind of it, like it wasn't like longing for the days when our mass shooters weren't also Nazis but like yes. it's like this weird thing of like it was quaint like to see people with guns, people being shocked by people with guns. Yes, or, exactly. Or, or people that are are sort of, you know, aggrieved middle-class dude n- not siding with a Nazi. Because yeah. I think now those lines have gotten so freaking blurry. You're kind of like, it's, it's like a weird thing. But I definitely think that is why that scene was there. Yeah. Did you feel there was any homoeroticism when the racist guy was trying to like arrest in quotes michael douglas oh when he spread his legs like he kept on like spreading and i was all this is because i was yelled, like give it to me over and over again i kind of saw what they were doing there and it was right. th- that one scene it kind of was like remember in pulp fiction with the gimp and all that yes, I was it's all, very subliminal. <laughs> yes. like, if you knew you knew and if you didn't it went right over your head and yeah but i got that I got a tinge of that. And I think that was probably Joel kind of giving us a wink or like, you know, being like Joel being Joel. Yes. <laughs> um, but, um, but yeah, I think we're running out of time in here a little bit, uh, but um, you know, at, at the end, there's a, there's a showdown between like Barbara. Barbara and Hershey Michael. does not leave her home. 
until <laughs> the absolute last minute. And then she runs to the pier and then where are they? Venice? Are they in Venice? I guess. In Venice. This, they make no. it to Venice. And then there's a showdown. Um, uh, what you got? Michael Douglas. It was between Michael Douglas and Robert Duvall. And then Michael Douglas reaches for something which Robert Duvall thinks is a gun and it is a gun, but it's a squirt gun. And I was like, oh, this is stupid, kind of, sorry. And then, uh, but also I understand. Uh, but and then, then Robert Duvall shoots him and then Michael Douglas falls into the ocean right. and he dies. And Cartoon Michael end. Douglas dies in the yeah. most cartoony way possible. And then, and then you can tell, <laughs> tell it's a dummy. Like it's like when it fell off the pier. I yes. think it was a dummy. It looked like a dummy. Uh, I think it was but, a dummy. Yeah. And, but uh, he's like baptized by the Venice, Venice ocean. And then like, and it's also like he... Robert Duvall says like because he's like your daughter is alive like you could still live to see your daughter and I've lost my daughter like do the right thing don't kill yourself and she, and and I like that he called him out where he was like your plan was to get to Venice and murder your wife and child like don't act yes like that yes. wasn't your plan and Michael Douglas was like I just wanted to go home and he's like no dude you were gonna murder your wife like don't yeah. don't play with don't. me I'm Michael du- or Michael, yeah. Robert Duvall. <laughs> I'm Robert Duvall then, I play Boo Radley I know what how I'm dare you <laughs> but I will say the last five minutes of the Robert Duvall story was kind of disappointing because he yells at his wife and tells her to like have dinner. Yeah. Ready when I he snaps at her. It's like he had to become this masculine dude to like match to Michael Douglas. And then he goes with his uh, ex-partner to, to Barbara Hershey's house and she's immediately shot. She gets no action. Like we don't even see her get shot. Like Robert Duvall just goes to the backyard and she's laying on the ground bleeding and she's like, go get him and like gives her gun up. And I'm like, really? Like, <laughs> like, and I'm like, I was like, she doesn't do anything. Like, I don't know. It made me so mad. And then, but then when, when, when he's got the showdown with Michael Douglas, he says, you know, like you could still live. And he's like, no, he's like, I'd rather go out in a blaze of glory. And my daughter gets my insurance money and, oh, yeah. like, and I'm, I'm obsolete. And there was something even like, even in that last moment, he couldn't do the right thing but they do say the line where he's like come down to the precinct there's some good cops here and michael douglas is literally like am i the bad guy like i'm not the bad guy here yeah and I was like, oh like i did appreciate the film underlining it's like no you are the bad guy <laughs> like, yeah and i think that goes like, with the whole been, thing we've been playing coy this whole movie but like you are the bad guy and I like that kind of that 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 kind of thing how he didn't realize he's a bad guy because villains think they're the hero period right yeah and I, I like that so it's like this movie is you're not gonna get canceled don't worry I mean I understand why this you <laughs> like this movie and I'm, I'm really glad you chose this because you know I was just like okay like let's you know because usually well I just think unpacking movies like this is just so interesting and also kind of fuels the conversation of like inclusivity and and and, and how we rep are represented and I'm, I was like, oh, wow, I don't remember. I remember like how we talked in the beginning. I remember that this movie framed Michael Douglas as a hero and he was going through shit and we were supposed to cheer for him. Yeah. And they, and the fact that it's still framed that way, but then if you watch it, you're all, oh no, he's not. And, but it was framed back like that back then. And we were supposed to be all, yeah. 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 To me, looking back on it, it was a lot more marketing. Like mm-hmm. they're like looking back on it now, watching it now, I'm like, oh, if, if I had just come upon this movie and had no marketing towards me, like I would actually see this as a two-hander between Michael Douglas mm-hmm. and, and Robert Duvall. And it's sort of like two sides of a coin. Mm-hmm. But I think the marketing was very much like he's a snappy comeback guy. Yeah. And I think day, they, you know, they were trying to frame it as a dark comedy, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I it, don't uh, think it was. I don't yeah. think that's what Joel Schumacher was making. And yeah. so like I I really 
And I also think maybe that's kind of why it's stood the test of time in my life. Like, this is something weirdly, like when it's on, I will just watch it. And even I was watching it now, it's like, I know it's bad, but I really love it. No, movie. I don't like, even think it's like, it's, it, it kind of te- is teaching us stuff. And it's kind of like, I see this guy and I'm not saying I empathize with like peep racist or whatever. It's just that you see these people today. They're like, all America's not the same you know brown and black people and queer people are and all these like non-white cisgender non-hetero you know they're taking over and i need to preserve my space and i think totally and then that that preservation turns into violence and like uh kind of i mean also a lot of us have been flight or you know we've been on survival mode for our whole careers our whole lives and this is kind of a taste of that for them and i'm like oh I don't have any, I, I don't feel sorry for you, period. I'm sorry. I mean, I, I may, that may be yeah. controversial, but you know, that's kind of what no, it I is. Don't think yeah. I don't think it's controversial to be like, <laughs> my I get to murder people because he had a bad day. I do think though, I don't know how to say this. I, I, when I watch those Karen videos that are, that are just people losing it in like service situations, mm. I often am like, yeah, like I, I could, I could shoot a self-checkout machine. I wouldn't hurt a person, but like when, when I'm told that I have to like download an app instead of just being oh my God. Like a form, <laughs> I want to lose my mind. I'm like a why? Yeah, or like, like, like when I'm like in traffic and people won't zipper like one car a piece. Oh, the really zipper like, effects. It's like you got a zipper, baby. <laughs> and so, so like, I do think that there's something about this movie where there's like a good ten percent where like everyone has felt that kind of aggrievement. But mm. then I think it's like you either take that too far of like, and that means it's okay that Michael Douglas is a. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of like what you and do like, with no, that. No, 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 I'm not. Yeah. yeah, it's like I'm not going there with you on that one. But I remember as a kid being like mad when they won't serve me mcdonald's breakfast after 10 30 you know what I mean? like, it's like no it's kind of like, like it's kind of being way to like yeah. bond it's, it's so it's, stupid it's just about kind of the rules that we have to follow that for instance mask mandates right like that was a whole thing right uh, yeah and also i feel your pain i get so nervous at self-checkout sometimes because i'm like oh okay i need a bag i need to do this it's like at Target when I'm just bagging stuff, I was like, and then there's a line and I get pressured. I'm all, there's people waiting. I need to do this. And then it's like, did I take two bananas? But like, also I know people who love self-checkout and they like prefer it because they don't want to talk to somebody. And you know, like, but I also feel like that's just me getting older. And like, no, that's me a too. Lot of we're we're in the about, same like, age range, yeah. About so just sure, white like, people. And, and no one thinks it's going to happen to you. Like no one yeah. thinks eventually you'll get sick of whatever your thing is. But anyway. yeah. Um, okay, so uh, falling down. I don't think it's streaming for like if you have HBO Max or whatever. That's not streaming anywhere. No, I don't think. I had to rent it on Amazon, or you could rent it on iTunes or whatever. I actually yeah. think I would recommend people watch it, especially kind of in the climate we're in. But don't take it too seriously. <laughs> uh, rotten, rotten yeah, tomatoes. Yeah, eat a gummy yeah. and watch it. <laughs> That's what I did. Uh, uh, yeah. Rotten tomatoes. It's certified fresh. Seventy five percent on the tomato Is meter. Really? Yeah. Uh, audience score it's 84 percent um it's That's wild. terrifying i will <laughs> say that that is terrifying that makes me feel unsafe <laughs> um joel schumacher was actually nominated for the palm d'or at the Cannes film festival for this in 1993 uh 1994 really? yeah eb rose smith won an edgar award for best motion picture screenplay for this uh that is shocking yeah um, budget was 25 million domestic opening was 8.7 million which is actually kind of a good opening 
uh, and domestic gross was 40.9 million on a 25 million budget. So there you go. Also, oh, the, the, the writer, he appeared in the series. I don't know. I know that he was, he was, he was like one of the people who was shot or something like that. He also, like you said, he, he has like, he's more of an actor, I think. Actor. Yeah. He's been like acting as, but he also, he acted in Epsa Portlandia, actually. (laughs) (laughs) And he, (laughs) he has three scripts he wrote. Falling Down, TV movie called Partners, and a screenplay for Car 54, Where Are You, in 1994. Um, good for him. So, uh, well done. Yeah, and I think one of the things that made, uh, like, I, I know we're running out of time, but Robert e- Roger Ebert wrote something that I wanted to read. He said, and, and during his review, he said, what is fascinating about the Douglas character as written and played is the core sadness of his soul. Yes, by the time we meet him, he's gone over the edge, but there is no exhilaration in his rampage, no release. He seems wary and confused, and in his action is unconsciously, and in his actions, he unconsciously follows scripts that he may have learned from the movies or the news, where other frustrated mif- misfits vent their rage on innocent bystanders. Roger Ebert knew. I don't know, Roger. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Roger. I don't know about that. I feel like. <laughs> But I I do agree that like he probably saw like this is how you're supposed to act like this is how you become violent on TV I think maybe a little bit but also no because like there's that sorry no we have to go yeah we also (laughs) talked about burning bed for 20 minutes we can cut part of the down (laughs) but like he when he has the bazooka he doesn't know how to use it and the the little kid is like oh you do it this way and he's like how do you know and he's like from tv like i i also feel like oh you're right i think he's had more like of an engineer brain of like this is how the world's supposed to work that's why he doesn't take streets he like walks through yards like he he is just like a closed fist of 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 control like i think he actually wants things exactly how he wants them it's like a manic kind of You're feeling right. okay i, I don't think, think I, he's mimicking anyone i think he's actually like annoyed that anyone's telling him what to do that's and why think- he, he's doing everything because ev- okay i get it he's like doing everything he's not supposed to do because everyone is telling him not to do it and i think he's right. kind of yeah um and and i think it's yeah. like that's such an american like that's why he's like i'm not a vigilante like i'm just doing exactly what i want to be doing Hence, in that moment the insurrectionist on <laughs> I, that's what I think it is. I, that's why I think like that was the question. Do you think he would have been a January sixth person? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we're 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 wrapping up now. I'm sorry. I mean, sorry. I know we I could we could talk about because like for real, we would love to talk about this more. But um, y'all, uh, so Sierra, uh, right now, Rutherford Falls on season uh, season two on the Peacock. Wonderful. I love it. I was at the premiere. We had a time. You know, it was a great old time. time. We had such a time. Um, Is there anything else you want to plug? And where could we follow you on the socials? If you are active on the You are active. Yeah, Mm. I'm on the socials. Um, No, just please watch Peacock. Please watch anything on that app, especially my show, Rutherford Falls. Mm. And uh, yeah, thanks so much for having me today. This was so fun. This was, and I really feel like we're going to revisit something else in the near future. (laughs) But um, (laughs) Sierra... Thank you so much. And y'all watch Falling Down and tell us what you think because it's going to be wild. It's, it's, you're going to, we're going to, I really am curious what kind of new eyes have to see about this movie. But Sarah, thank you. And the next movie we'll do is a Farrah Fawcett one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Bye bye. Okay. <laughs>
Problematic Fave is presented by Diaspora and made possible by the Center for Asian American Media. Please subscribe to Problematic Fave on Apple Podcasts and give us a nice rating because we will read them and they help. Diaspora is an alternative digital film and TV publication and media platform that focuses on people of color, the LGBTQIA community, the disabled community, women, and other historically marginalized communities in film, TV, and media. You can visit the site at thediasporatimes.com and follow on Instagram and Twitter at, at @realdiaspora. Thanks for listening. <laughs>